great joy this morning that I get to sit here with my brother Scott. I asked him to share a few moments with us this morning. I'm winded. <laughs> I've learned if you just say it, people don't wonder. Like, is he all right? Yeah. I Give me just a minute. Uh. Oh, you've done that. You've been there before. Yeah, it's that meatloaf. It just sits so heavy right here. It's just, it's just sitting. You give me a minute, I'll help you with them dishes. <laughs> I've heard that guy do it. I asked Scott to uh, come and talk to you for a few moments. I wanted you to have an insight into... The, the man and his wife in church that we're going to be helping in uh, Christ Chapel East. He said, well, what, what do you... At first, I asked him to preach for me, and then I took that away. I said, no, I want you to preach a sermon. I want them to get to know you, for those that don't know you. And so he said, what are we going to talk about? Maybe we can get together and rehearse it. I said, no, no rehearsal. I'm just, <laughs> so it's going to be what it is, and I take responsibility for that. And so knowing you, I could be in trouble. Yeah, but. <laughs> But I wanted to ask you a couple of things. Um, Scott, I wanted to use our time wisely because as we think about Christ Chapel East, I want them to see uh, the man that we're going to be working besides, giving towards, helping. Now, uh, this is going to be very hard, but I want you to give us just a, a, a very short synopsis of how God saved you, rescued you, but then the path to ministry, how that happened. Wow, very short. Because you were rough like me. Rough, <laughs> oh, yes. rough background. Um, first, let me say it's an honor to be here. This is um, a long time dream come true. Uh, I'm not an emotional guy at all. No, um, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was uh, growing up was a, a very tough, uh, a very hard path. Uh, I, I love to tell the story of where I came from because it's not about me, but it just shows how powerful God is that he could take anybody from anywhere and do anything. And, uh, so I, I grew up here in, in middle Georgia, mostly, um, kind of in and out of foster care and, and with my grandparents, I had parents who, who really kind of struggled with different things, addictions and things like that. Fast forward real quick. They both got saved later in life. So praise God for that. After, after God changed and transformed my life, just their closeness with me and seeing me, that just made them start to wonder, well, maybe it can happen for me, and that happened. I want to make sure I don't ever forget to say that because I don't want people leaving me. Man, his parents really messed up. Mm -hmm. um, but I grew up here in middle Georgia, um, and uh, I, I grew up in church because whenever we was with my grandmother, she would make sure we went. Yeah. It was easy because we lived across the street, and uh, I thought when our car broke down that we wouldn't have to go anymore, and then... <laughs> They broke ground across the street in a cow pasture and built a new church. So she could drop kick you. She, that far. Yeah, she could yeah. pray. I'm telling you what, she could pray. She wanted a way to church, and God built one right next door. So you ain't got to worry about a car no more. <laughs> and uh, and it's so. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about you. Uh, you're here, and I love you. Uh, there's a sweet lady right there. Y'all might know her. Her name's Rita Trotter. And she was my Sunday school teacher, and actually one of the youth leaders. And one day, I, you know, I was a real arrogant. Wait, wait, just a minute. Thank you. <laughs> I was a, I was a real arrogant teenager and I went to church because I had to, and you know, because my, maybe I meet a girl there or something, but not because I was looking for the Lord. And, and I was, I remember one specific Sunday morning on, in Sunday school, I was just being real, you know, I was just being a real teenage boy. Mm -hmm. I was making all about me, cracking jokes, being funny and, and uh, kind of wasting everybody's time. And, 
And uh, I don't know exactly how it happened. I know now it was the, the Lord working on my behalf and hers too. But somehow everybody got out of the room before me. And this four and a half foot tall lady stopped in front of the door and blocked me from getting out. Now, I'm a full grown teenage man. And yeah. this lady stops me and, and she looks at me and she reaches up. I'll never forget this moment as long as I live. She reaches up and she grabs both sides of my face. And she pulls me down to her eye level. She looks me dead in the eyes and she said, Scott, you're going to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't even on the radar, no. but here we are. Wow. See, I, when you spoke last week and when you spoke about the miracle and, and Jesus already knew what he was going to do, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. But in those moments, so many years ago. Yeah. He already knew what he was going to do. See, those of y'all that were raised in church, you didn't know. They'd already prayed over the vanilla wafers and the Kool-Aid and the velveteen board. You didn't have a chance. You're in there. I remember going velveteen board and they put, you know, Joan on the, on the thing. And by the time the thing was done, the whale was upside down. And you don't think God's working, but God's putting together desires and hungers and appetites and remembrance of his word. So when did you surrender your life to the Lord as an adult? So as an adult, at, from that moment, I ran as far from God as yeah. I could. Um, you can't outrun him, though. I didn't know that. And uh, I thought as, lose, as long as I just lived as much like hell as possible, then heaven wouldn't want to have anything to do with me. But it never changed his mind. And uh, one day at 30 years old, after squandering everything in my life, I was at a point where I, I couldn't even find a job. I'd been homeless for a year and a half, and I went to a church by accident. Let that sink in for just a minute. Homeless for a year and a half, and God's still working. On probation, charged with multiple fel- felonies. I mean, it's just I was living my own life and trying to survive. And, and I went to a church, and after visiting a couple of times, I just got to say this. There was a, a person there that was a greeter. I went to church for the wrong reason, but they made me feel so special. So if you're a greeter in God's house, don't ever discount what you do because if you're, whatever you do, it's, it wasn't the message that day. It wasn't the worship music. It wasn't the lights, the tech. It was the way that lady made me feel loved for the first time in years when I didn't deserve it. And it made me come back. I wanted to come back to disprove her. I wanted to come back a second time to show everybody that it was just because I was a first-time visitor. Well, she, she poured it on tenfold the next time, and it made me fall in <laughs> love with just that feeling of being in a place where I didn't feel like such a wretch. And while I was there, a couple of weeks in, the Lord just grabbed a hold of me, and he said, uh, I remember him speaking so clearly to me that I turned around and asked the guy behind me why he was talking to me. And he looked at me like I was crazy because I was. Now, what year is this? This was in 2011. Okay, so 11 this was years ago. this was March 2011. And how old were you? I was about to be 30 years, uh, 31 years old. Okay. I was 30 years old, and um, the Lord said, "I've been waiting on you your entire life to do something, and if you're not going to do it, I'll use somebody else." And it was the most bone-shaking, chilling. Like I was the only person that existed on the planet in that moment. I knew. He was speaking directly to me, and he had let me know that all the, the, the destruction in my life and all the things that I had done to try to destroy myself, suicide attempts, breaking the law, facing prison sentences, all that, that he had protected me up to that moment and that I would make a decision that day or he would leave me to my own devices okay. and, and just let me figure it out. So how many years from that to when we connected here? So that was in 2011. I gave my life to the Lord, uh, started uh, helping out as a volunteer at a small church, greeting people. 
And then here, uh, it was in, I believe, December, around December of 2012 when I started coming here. I was kind of not sure, lost in between churches. And my mother-in-law, who had been a a member here for a long time, goes, why don't you go talk to Pastor John? He loves speaking to young people that want to get in ministry. And I'm like... Young people in their 30s. I'm not old. I'm like... (laughs) I'm not old. And I'm thinking to myself, that guy's got a huge church with all these people. I'm sure he's not going to have time for me. Mm -hmm. And I remember coming in here and meeting you for the first time and and you said we're definitely going to sit down and talk as soon as the holidays are over and we did the first week of of january we sat down and talk and and i started coming here and actually you even gave me a job cleaning the building and and uh it was just it was just this place is home and it and it and my connection begins even sooner than that from many years before sitting up at three in the morning feeling hopeless and alone just flipping through the channels and then seeing this preacher on TV with this clear glass looking podium that said Christ chapel on the front. And then even before I got saved being drugged to church on an Easter Sunday, sitting back in the back and they pull that podium out. And I'm like, that's the same guy I've seen on TV. <laughs> Can we just honor those that have always behind the scenes, the tech department, our cameramen, the yes. video recording, would y'all clap yes. and on? Thank you. Thank you. Because I remember in my darkest moments, in my darkest moments, sitting there on the couch at three in the morning thinking, man, maybe, maybe if this God thing is real at all, maybe this guy could help. Mm-hmm. And then I, then I show up and there you are. That was a w- wonderful season in the life of our church too. The Lord sent us a, a small group of men, young men that God had touched, Lance Foster, you, Drew had just come on. And there were others, worship leaders, uh, those that pursued academics in the Lord. And God gave us a group of those men. And when I say poured into, I, I don't mean that like we were the key part, but it was a connective, a connective part. And so you were here uh, preparing, went ahead and sought ordination through the assemblies. Through the assemblies of God, started going to GSOM uh, and uh, Georgia, Georgia School of Ministry. Georgia School of Ministry. And um, Shortly after that, I was offered a position at a, at a church here in town as a youth pastor, and, and uh, I think it was 2014. And, was uh, that a revelation, it, going from studying to three, it, two, one? It was, and it, it was one of those things where you talk about contractions a lot when you're waiting. Yeah. I thought that was the birth. Wow, this is the best thing ever. It was just a contraction. Yeah. And all along, those contractions have been leading up to what God's doing now. And, uh, but I remember thinking, man, it's hard to leave this place that I love. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were, we were serving in, in, youth, in student ministry here with almost 150-plus teenagers in, uh, in a huddle. And that's one of the things that's so just awestruck about when I come back. I see these grown adult people who used to be teenagers and they're, they're doing ministry and they're, they're serving in children's yeah. ministry and they're on stage leading worship and they're doing all these things. I'm like, oh, I remember when you was a sixth grader. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> let, me, let me just plug in here too. For all of us, there's ministries in our church. There's ministries of our church, but they're not limited to our church. I remember when Lance, I believe, was doing this and I don't know if you were doing it with him, he was doing it with you or y'all did it together. But we just fed a local football team every week and they were chaplains for these boys and these boys still know them so it's whatever you, you see in front of you you do it with all your might with Christ as the center theme so you went you went from 150 kids to one uh, I, 
Two, they were the pastor's kids. And they were, they were forced to come. That's what I was going to say. The pastor's kids, you are coming to church. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And, uh, it, it, was a, it was a big change. And, uh, I'd like and, to welcome everyone. And, and, I, and I remember thinking the Lord saying, hey, if, if you can't do it, if you can't start small, you can't start anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we did, and, and we faithfully served there. And uh, the, the ministry grew there, and we saw kids give their life. And the next thing you know, we were showing up on Sunday morning, and the teenagers and outnumbered the adults. And it was one of those things where, God, you're really moving here. And then he goes, awesome, you did a wonderful job. I'm so proud of you. Time to move. Yeah. Also for us, th- those of you that are, are, are laboring in a, maybe a, a not-so-public field, one of the first lessons every minister, and we're all kings and priests and ministers under the Lord, one of the first lessons you must learn, it's not the size or visibility of the ministry. It's the majesty of the one that called you. Yes. What makes what I do glorious has nothing to do with this building. It's that God would allow me to work beside him. And that humility carries you. So it starts to go forward, and now we're going to start. Time, now it's time to go start something else. Okay. And that was kind, that's been kind of the story over the last 10, 11 years of going to, I remember, I'll never forget, I, once I got my ministry license, I was like, oh, I've made it now. Oh, yeah, you yeah, got a piece I, of paper I, on the wall. I got a card in my pocket and everything, man. Just there you go. put that down, man. Y'all give me a job. Show that to the demon-possessed person. <laughs> yeah. I have papers. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I start sending my resume everywhere, and, 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 and I hear nothing. And it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. I can't tell you how many times I checked my, my resume to make sure that the email address and the phone number was correct because I'm surely they'll, th- they'll just thank me for being interested. Yeah, they're lining up. To yeah. yeah. They, they could call me and tell me no, but just not calling at all. And uh, I remember being offered a small position at a little church with a pastor who was, was really working really hard and he needed help. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man... I'm riding in the car with my wife, and I'm like, why in the world can't some big church with plenty of money and a nice corner office and a huge student ministry just call me up and give me a job? Why do I always have to be building something? And my wife, the Holy Spirit, just spoke directly (laughs) through her. She turned her head and looked at me and said, because you're a builder. And went back to what she was doing. All right. I prayed for myself as we got ready to do this for us. We're going to support him. When we think of Christ Chapel East... The one that God's sending over there is a builder. Just remember that. I'm a builder. So whatever tools you give me and the quality of materials. How many of you have seen new house construction and not all houses are created equal? It's the type builder, the tools, and the materials that are used. Okay, Scott, I'm sorry. So here I am expecting God to send me to this finished product. And he says, no, I've, I've created you to be a builder. And... Over the years, I've, I've come to understand what that means a little bit more and why, if I can look back to my, my childhood and my background of coming from places where there wasn't a lot, mm-hmm. and you had to figure it out, and you had to put some things together, and you need some duct tape and some coat hangers, and you can make it work. And, uh, and I think that that's uh, why God allowed me to, to live and grow up and, and, and be able to have those personality traits where I just... And, and this is going to sound braggadocious, and I don't mean it that way, that I just, I don't give up. And, uh, 
Every time, even though there's times, and my wife will tell you, there's times when I look at her and go, hey, would it be okay to give up now? Are you sure? Like, like now would be a good time to give up, right? And, uh, and it's just not. Yeah. And, uh, All right, do this for me. The, fir- the first place that you went, you just made a statement. What, what, was, what was the theme? What was the takeaway from that place? Like despise not the day of small beginnings? Or what was the, the thing you want us to know that you learned at that first place? And then tell us what you learned at the second place. A statement that summarizes. Now, I want to make sure I say this tactfully correctly. Uh, I learned in that first place that if God's called you to leadership, you have to lead. Okay. And it can't be, you know, you, you don't want to discount your relationships with other people or the importance of what God's placed in them, but there's not, you don't have to have a committee for everything. Yeah. Sometimes when God tells you to do something, you just yeah. do it. And whether it look, makes sense to anybody else or not, yeah. if it made sense to him, you're supposed to do it. Let me tell you the dilemma of pastoring I've learned. I've done this a long time. If it works, God gets the glory. If it doesn't, you get the blame. So now serving number one, come on. Okay, what about the second place? What, what, was, the, what was the lesson that God taught you in that second place? Not everybody's going to like me. <laughs> and we're great people. Yes. We're fun. We, I know, Easy to right? get along I with. know. <laughs> I, sense of humor. I mean, come on. Uh, I, was, I was sent, like I said, it was a pastor who had been... Who had been Really, he was all in, passionate, mm-hmm. and, you know, the, just the capacity in which he was working and serving had, had actually taken its toll on his health because he was so, yeah. and, and I remember being there for a short time before the Lord said, I didn't send you here for the entire place. I sent you here for him. Mm-hmm. I sent you here to, to hold his arms up and support him and to be his help and to be his support and, and back him up. He is the leader I've placed here, and I put you in a position to have him somebody that can help push him from behind. All right, let me ask you this, because a lot of pastors experience this. So you got, and not that one is right and one is wrong. We all have our own journeys. So you got Pastor John's over here. He's at one place 28 years. Did you ever feel like when the Lord shut the door and moves you on, you know, like some people think that's the standard. You just go and stay. You just go and stay. No, we follow his voice. His sheep know his voice. Did you ever feel like, I'm going to look neurotic changing? Now, I would think that. Well, part of me did. But then I look back to my, my beginnings in my childhood where God trained me to be able to drop everything and leave. Adaptive. Yeah. yeah. So it was be like just growing up, I never went to the same school more than one year. I mean, most, most of the time I remember one, I remember one time I did start school at this same school and I finished it at the same school, but there was about a five month period in the middle that I didn't go there. So I, I was constantly being uprooted and moved, new cities, new schools. I went to every elementary school in Bibb County. So you were okay dropping your toys and going to the next sandbox. I mean, I'm, And that's why I got good at making friends real quick. I'm like, hey, I'm going to be here. I'm in your face. And if you don't like me, that's okay because I probably ain't going to be here long. <laughs> okay. But so, while I'm here, I'm going <laughs> to. So you weren't there long and then the Lord, and these were all, I remember you telling me as it happened, I mean, tearfully. The Lord's speaking to me. He's changing the direction. You know, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So then you went to another local church. Went to another local church, actually helped uh, uh, Drew, you mentioned Mm -hmm. before, uh, helped him start Radiant. And um, I remember (laughs) 
before that, there was, I was actually called and offered to go through the church plant assessor's uh, uh, protocol, so to speak, for the Assemblies of God. And, and uh, there was a church that was within a mile of my front door in Forsyth that was closing. Surely this is the one. Absolutely, because here I am. I'm like, I'm in my mid-30s, Lord. I was thinking there was probably this, oh, man, you got to be a youth pastor for this long, and then you got to be an associate pastor for this long, and then you finally get to the big show, and, man, I might be 40, 50 years old, 50, 60 years old before that happens. And then I thought, okay, here's the fast track. It was really right after I'd gotten my license. Yeah. And well, they, that's how Granny did it, right across the street. You just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, yeah. and I'm thinking, I told my wife, I said, it's perfect. If it fails, we can walk home. <laughs> <laughs> and I would pass this building every day to and from work. Yeah. And, and the Assemblies of God uh, ministry, like high up leaders in the state, would, uh, they are the one who chose me. They said, we feel like you're the one. We have prayerfully considered. And what about the voice? At first, it was, yeah, and I went through the process, and I went through the church plant take, the test taking, the assessments taking, met with the church plant director. They, they, they met with the presbyters and brought it before them, and they all agreed that, yes, they would back me, not only uh, uh, spiritually and prayerfully, but also financially, and the Assemblies of God district office staff was going to be my staff until we could hire people, and it was just no-fail solution. And we were praying and fasting, my wife and I, during this time, and about two weeks before it was supposed to happen, the Lord clearly spoke to me and said, that's not yours. Mm-hmm. Let, let me just address that. I know there are people here, and sometimes we get just enough Bible education that we get the stories mixed up. Uh, no, the Lord doesn't do that. The Lord's not neurotic like that. He doesn't change his mind. Let me, let me just remind you, Abram, take your only son, and I want you to slay him on the mountain here as a sacrifice to me. And right as he was about to do it, he goes, never mind, stop. Now that I know you would have done it, you have the credit as if you did it. I've got something else, another plan. It's not common, but it's not unheard of either. The Lord will offer you something. Sometimes it's very good, and other times it's very sorrowful. And he said, never mind, I just wanted to see if you'd go where I told you to go. That does happen in the kingdom. It was another contraction. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was still very immature in the faith. I still am. I, I don't think I've arrived, but, you know, I made a deal with God. I was like, God, you know what? I'm going to give you two weeks to get on board with everybody. You did. I did. That was nice I, to I, I, You know, <laughs> he's nice. been good to me. Why would I not show him grace? The reason, the reason Scott and I get along is we have this in common. In heaven, you know, it's like the Lord says, all the angels come here. Watch John and Scott. They're just idiots. Watch this. Watch this. It's, I love them, and I'm going to use them, but look at here. And I, and I say, because surely these men of God who have been serving the Lord longer than I've been alive, they heard you say it was me, and they can't be wrong, so maybe I'm hearing you wrong. Lord, I'm going to pray two more weeks, and, and you need to get on board with what everybody else is saying. And um, um, he didn't change his mind. But they did hear it up till that time. So two, two days before I was supposed to meet the district superintendent at the paid-for building that was full of furniture, newly renovated, because they had had a flood inside, newly renovated furniture, walls, sound system, everything completely paid for, I have to call the district superintendent and say, Sir, I'm so thankful and so honored that you would consider me for this. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm sure that I heard the Lord clearly that this is not for me. 
And as much as my flesh wants it, as much as it looks like yeah. the greatest plan in the world, you're right down the street. I mean, we could have just filled the church with just Robin's family in Forsyth. I mean, you we'd have been fine. You, you can't have Don and Jenny. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, 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 that's not funny. You can't have them. Anyway. Okay. Um, and, and, and it looked like the, I mean, a great idea. Like everything lines up, Lord, why is it? And he's, it's just not you. I remember praying. I was working at a, at a children's home, and I was working the night shift. And I would always pray before I went into work because I worked with some very tormented children that I just I fell in love with. And I remember sitting in the parking lot, and I was praying before I went in. And usually the whole place would be lit up at night, street lights, mm-hmm. parking lot lights and everything. And I opened my eyes after praying, and for some reason, the only light that you could see was the porch light in the house that I worked in. And the Lord said, I, you told me you'd go wherever I sent you. And for now, I'm sending you here. So, Because to, to take the church, I'd have to quit the job. Mm-hmm. And he let me know that my assignment there wasn't finished. And that there were children there that needed me. And that I couldn't leave until he had finished what he had for me to do there. And if I was going to be obedient, then I was supposed to stay where I was. And now, uh, Pastor Scott uh, is working bivocational. And this is the type of man he is. You need to know this. Um, the church offered a specific thing, and he said, no, let, let me, and I'm not telling all his business, but you need to know this. He said, just give me half of that because my assignment's not done at the rescue mission. So that, that matters to him. I want to not just do the new church. I want to do that which the Lord is asking me to do. So you have a dependable person, a faithful person, and uh, that has freed up resources for the church as well as it's really sharpened your communicative gift, teaching, uh, uh, home groups, groups of men, deliverance. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's helping. It, it's still helping me with time management uh-huh. for sure. Um, and, and I saw just, uh, just a nugget from there because I had started working at the rescue mission two weeks before I got offered the church. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and I just knew I had prayed about working there for two years. Mm-hmm. I'm like, surely I didn't pray for two years for the Lord to send me here for two weeks. Yeah. But if you did, Lord, if it was for two weeks, then I'll go. But he didn't tell me to go. And just this past week, there's a young man there that has been there for almost a year. Mm-hmm. He's come and gone. And he has had his heels dug in that there is no God. And, and I get the chance to walk with him and do life with him. And I said, you know, I understand what you believe. So you're an evangelist at heart too, though. Right. And so this past Thursday night, I watched him give his life to the Lord. <laughs> and, and so Friday the next day, I, had, I teach a class there. I teach several classes there. I had his class, and we're going on an outing, and, and he's in the van, and somebody kind of mentioned something. He just pipes up from the middle seat. He says, hey, guys, in case y'all didn't know, I got saved last night. And those guys don't do that. I mean, that, no. that's him. That's the boldness. From, from He's been very respectfully, uh-huh. no, no kind of dishonoring, but hey, you guys believe this and I just don't believe it, has been his stance for over a year. And then it goes from, hey, guys, I just want to make sure everybody knows I got saved last night. That's beautiful. <laughs> okay, let, let me fast forward. So from there, uh, we go to uh, Encounter Church. And how long were you, have you been there? I've uh, been there since May of last year. Okay, hold on. Those of you that are part of Christ Chapel East coming up, would y'all stand? Would y'all stand? Y'all bless them. Amen. We are so glad. Thank you. 
some of the sweetest, most dedicated, nicest people you will ever meet. Yeah. So going into this, what do we need to know? Yeah, and some of them are cards too. I know them. Some of them are personalities. I love personalities, by the way. Uh, tell me, going into this, so y'all really just kind of gutted everything. You're just starting over. It's the same message, same. Right. You just wanted a new start. So it, it, it came apparent, like going in, I said, as they interviewed me, one of my first, I believe, things that God would have me do would be to bring the church into a covering and community with other church bodies, yeah. whether it was the Assemblies of God or Church of God or whatever it may be. But yeah. to be a standalone entity all by yourself out there, the enemy loves to divide yeah. and, and take the, the, the weakest yeah. and the low-hanging fruit. And, and, and I just know that God doesn't work that way. All through the Bible, he works through teams. He works through yeah. unity. And so I had said from the very beginning that, that I believe that we would, we would join with a body of believers yeah. somewhere else. And, yeah. and, and by joining with us, we're just a sister church. They're their own entity, their own organization, their own structure, their own bank accounts. There's no part of this this for us. And I, this is not to brag. I just want you to know this, that our church, we told them in the meeting uh, last week, there's one non-negotiable in this is that they don't ever give us anything. We want your stuff. We don't, you're not going to tithe back to this church. When it comes time, you do this for somebody else. And God has already given us a, an opportunity to do that on right now, a small scale, mm -hmm. but we've already uh, partnered with a small church in um, right outside of Milner and okay. Barnesville area that is needing some help and getting started. And we've been, we've been able to help them a little bit financially. And even some of the things that we have that, that, you know, they can use, we, you know, and it's been a blessing to see that congregation really get enthused about what God's doing there, you know, cause they felt like they were alone for a long time. Yeah. And, and we just, God just laid it on my heart. Hey, I don't even know that pastor yeah. really. I've only met him two or three times and the Lord just laid it on my heart. Hey, let him know he's not by himself. Amen. So next week, y'all will be up in the grill again. If you've not had opportunity, I'm, I'm asking you as your pastor, just sit in. We were in and out 35 minutes last Sunday. We beat all the Baptists home. We beat the Methodists. We beat everybody home. Free food, you're on the way home. But I want you to be able to hear how you can help at what level. If nothing else, if you make a heart connection, you may be on your way to Christ Chapel Macon and you go, you know what? I'm going to go to Christ Chapel East today. I just, I just want to stand out front and smile and greet people. Uh, I, I want there to be that. You, you don't owe this house anything. This is the Lord's house, and we're in this together. And I want us to be people that drop in on them, volunteer. You might say, you know what, Pastor Scott, once a month, and if you'll be flexible with me, I'm on call. I can just let you know last minute. Is there ever a Sunday you don't need last-minute help? No. Never. <laughs> Never. You just say, I'm on my way. I can do babies. I can. Now, if you're mean, don't watch the nursery. You know, if, you, if kids don't like you, you know, know your place. Everybody. <laughs> Anything else that we need to know about you? Because I've got about 10 minutes here that I need to. I, 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 a lot of us, a lot of people in here maybe know, know me, and my, me and my wife personally, but I would be very foolish to sit here and not, and not mention my wife yeah. and how great she has been and such a huge help. And, and you mentioned ministry uh, having very different forms. A lot of people know our struggles 
to have a baby and, and three years of pregnancy loss. And, and, and yes, I'm, God gave me this, this gift to be able to not be shy and to stand on a stage on a platform and, and be, you know, be a sounding board. But, but my wife does just as much ministry, sure. if not more in secret. And she stood in faith. I remember her and Kelly and many other women too, praying for her. She never gave up. She said, we, we're going to have a, I, I believe we're going to have a baby and got a little Luke running around. Yeah. Not so little, but he spit fire. But, but it, I believe that's also what, how God is, is forged us. Cause in the moments when ministry seems hard yeah. and, and I look at her and say, is, is it okay to give up today? We can remember, man. What if we'd have gave up yeah. on our dream to have a son? Yeah. And God just, just miracles running around. <laughs> right. So she she is a fantastic help for me, and she keeps me grounded. She's I'm like the pit bull in the yard that, that wants to run after every uh-huh. car, and she's the tether in the ground that goes, ah, that's too far. You know, you know. She she keeps yeah. me like I want to. I'm a firework, and she's like yeah. the string that keeps me from sane. Yeah. There okay. you go. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so I just definitely wanted to make sure people yes. get to know her also. Would y'all honor and her this morning, Miss Robbins? I love you. Um, and just real quickly, if I could say, our, our, for me, as doing what God's asked me to do, the thing closest to my heart is to see people healed. Healed not just from uh, physical ailments or financial problems, but just healed from a life of destruction like I was, that, that I know that there's people out there still. My story to me is very unique, but it's not unique to the Lord. Yeah. There, there are people all over the place that God has literally snatched out of the, the, the jaws of death and, and put them in a place to be useful and yeah. have purpose. And, and, and I want him to put us in a place to, that people can come and they can meet that same Jesus and they yeah. can find hope and they can look at people who aren't perfect, yeah. who haven't always had it together, who don't always know the right thing to say and sometimes their hair's messed up and look at them and go, man, if, if Jesus loves them and can change them, then there's hope for me. And, and that's all I want our church to Amen. be. I, I'm not trying to make it a, a, a big, uh, you know, the, the shining star of East Macon or anything like that. I just want it to be a place where yeah. people who are hurting can come and find the, yeah. fi- the thing that I found. I want to say to y'all before we wrap this up, um, we're very, very flawed, but we're yours. We're going to be with you. And we are putting our faith in your love for God and in the pure gospel. Just give them Jesus, man. Just give them Jesus. Last words, man. Not last words. I'm not like you're going to die, but yeah. <laughs> What's the last thing you want to tell us? I just want to, to say again to, to all the Christ Chapel family, those who I've known for years, because every time God would change assignment, there would always be a time where we'd be back home. And I think that it was like plugging in your phone to the wall. God's like, hey, you're about to go do something that's going to drain you again. Go back home and get recharged. And Amen. the hardest thing we've ever done is to leave this place and go to another assignment. That's why when I walked back in here after not being in this building for two years, I turned the corner and I just started to weep because this is home. And no matter where God sends me, this is going to be home. So thank you all for allowing us to have a home and for welcoming us back home and for being a part of what God's doing for us in the future. We're honored beyond measure. Thank you. Thank you, brother.
All right, y'all are going to witness a 10-minute sermon. Y'all were supposed to just clap and say, yes, thank you, Lord, you know. I just, want, I just had something the Lord laid on my heart to follow up on this impromptu series about things that proceed. I thought this was on wheels. I'm sorry. It is in the front, but it's supposed to go this way. Now lift up just a little bit in the back. No? Just push. I got a lot to learn about pastor, and I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Uh, that, not Joe. It's Kylie. I'm sorry. Hey. That's got like a superhero kind of shirt, and he just swooped in like a superhero. That's pretty awesome. Um, Thank you, Lance. Okay. We all need help, y'all. No, we're good, man. Thank you, dear. Did you enjoy this today? You feel encouraged? I got a good friend of mine staying with me for a while, and he told me, he said, I'm, I'm going to go and help them. I just, I want to be a part. That's what I'm asking you to do. Be a part. Prayerful, financial, warm body, commitment. And I want to say it again. Many times we've done this over and over. If the Lord lays on your heart to go help them, you go. Don't clutch at the familiar. Well, Pastor John, what does that do to y'all? It hurts. And when we lose people, we lose leaders, we lose givers, we lose volunteers. Sorry people don't help people go start churches. <laughs> Think about it. And I'll say it one time publicly. I told Drew this. I told others this. Whoever goes will hurt us. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm saying that to make you feel loved. And the best of what we have, we'll make available to you. And we believe in you, man. Very quickly, I want to tell you a story in John chapter 2 of Jesus' first miracle. We're talking about things that precede the miraculous. Uh, it's not a formula. Don't ever read the Bible looking for a formula, formula, but look for patterns. Look for things that are present because God is a God of method. That's how Methodism was born. God is a God of pattern. He's the same, what, yesterday, today, and forever. And if you see this trait, it means it's common. It doesn't mean that God has to do. But let me just read this to you. And the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And Jesus was invited and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And he said, What have I to do with you? Mine hour is not yet come. And his mother turned to the servants. This is in John 2. And she said, Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. Just mark that down. Whatever Jesus says to you, do it. Whatever he says, do it. And there were six water pots of stone after the manner of the purifying of the Jews containing two or three firkins apiece, which means 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to them, fill up the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said unto them, draw out now and bear to the governor of the feast. And they bear it. When the ruler of the feast tasted the water that was made wine and knew not where it came from, but the servants that drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom and said, Every man at the beginning sets forth good wine, and when people have well drunk, they bring out that which was worse. But you have kept the best wine till now. And this beginning of miracles, 
beginning of miracles, did Jesus in Cana of Galilee and manifested forth his glory and his disciples believed on him. Things that precede the miraculous, obedience. Live an obedient life. It's not so much maneuvering God, it's obeying him when no one's looking. Obeying the Lord. Whatever he says unto you, do it. That principle keeps open the channel for God's best. We're not doing that to manipulate God, but don't think for a moment, I don't expect him to take care of me. If he has to open heaven to help me, he will. Because I'm not only his, but I'm trying to do the things that bring him glory, that please him, that honor him. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, do it. He said, fill the water pots with water. Had they not filled the water pots with water, they wouldn't have received the miracle. Do what you know to do. Do what's undone. That he told you to do last time. Go back. Make it right. Do the things that he told you to do. Obedience. Mary said, whatever Jesus says unto you, do it. Very quickly. Obey him willingly. Obey him in your heart before you do it in your body. You got to come to a place, a disciple, that not only brings God pleasure, but sees his hand. I want to see his hand in my life. I want to see his glory. They've already decided to obey him before he even asks. Wherever you tell me to go, the answer is yes. Whatever you want from me, the answer is yes. When I read it in your word, the answer is yes. I don't need to confer with Pastor John or Mama or Papa. If you say that, here's a perfect example. And be not unwise in understanding what the Lord's will is. Be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's God's word. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, my grandma don't believe that that's for today. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that gift died with the apostles. It's not the gift of the apostles. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. So, no offense To my granddaddy, who's one of the best men you'd say that I've ever known. And no offense to grandma and no offense to mom and papa. And they don't believe any of this. But the word of God tells me to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just sealed. Filled. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to live a spirit-filled life. I'm going to desire spiritual gifts. Because the Bible says to do it. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. And that attitude of obedience... Opens wide the channel. It's like arteries in the heart for the blood to get through, for the power to get through. Don't have clamped arteries of disobedience. Well, I don't, I don't want to offend my parents or grandparents. I actually had someone tell me that. So you're not going to ask the Lord to fill you with the Holy Spirit because that would offend your granddaddy? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. But as much as I love my family... The Word of God is the final authority in my life. Be filled with the Spirit. Obey Him immediately. How many of y'all got kids? You know the difference between obedience and immediate obedience? My my kids are just about at 10 right at the... uh, uh, Hey, would you go pick that up? Uh, Oh, 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 no, 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 no. Any kind of whine or hesitation or drama, I call it out and make them stand up and they have to listen to a lecture. Oh, yeah. They ain't going to do it. Even if it's not out of goodness of heart, it's so they don't have to listen to me. I, I brought you in this world. We can take you out. You know, obey immediately. Get up. Go do what I asked you as a respect. 
as a respect. How much more the Lord? Do you know some of us are the child we despise? Hey, will you do this? I got to go to church. Please don't. Stay home. Seriously. He doing God no favors. The life that sees his hand understands authority. How many military personnel, male or female? First thing they teach you is, oh, mama's baby loves the rack. Get out of bed. Get up. The, alarm, the, the, the sound goes off. The man's voice goes off. The trash can goes off. You're not thinking about nothing. You're up. You're up. You're under authority. That's what's missing in the church. Jesus is my co-pilot, not my king. Under authority. You obey immediately. Yes, sir, Lord. Yes, sir. You obey him silently. What does that mean? Without questions, without commentary, without reasonings, complaining, bargaining. Uh, Isabel, will you go pick up the trash? Okay, Father, what do you mean by the term trash? Like, stop! Pick up the trash. Olivia hasn't picked it. Stop! I don't need to know if we're exactly equal on who picked up three pieces and who picked. I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. Listen, I would die for them in a moment. I don't need any of that information you're giving me. When God tells you to do something, when he tells you to write the letter, write the letter. When he tells you to make the call, make the call. When he tells you to serve, you serve. And he doesn't need any input. What about these people? What is it to you if they're there till I come again? Just stop and open. What would happen in your home if you told your children to do something? They said, yes, sir, daddy. You just, just fall out. Yes, ma'am, mama. What meaneth this? What would happen in your spiritual life if the next time the Lord whispered something to you, you say, yes, sir. You ain't got nothing to say? Mm-mm. You've been so good to me, what would I say? Obey him exclusively. Not those who speak for him, not those that speak about him, and not those speaking in their own authority. Not this church, not Pastor John. The only time you should obey me is when I echo what the scriptures say or what the Spirit's already said to your heart. You obey the Lord. If the Lord tells you to do something and everybody else says the other, you side with the Lord. You obey him exclusively, independently, irregardless of what other people do or think. Sis, if you would come please to the keyboard. Obey the Lord exclusively, independently, unashamedly. Exposing yourself to vulnerability, despising, mockery, persecution, misunderstanding. Jesus says, now watch, this, is even, this isn't a command to be holy. This is uh, whatever he says to you, do it. And he says, uh, go get those 30-gallon water pots and fill them with water. Why? None of that. Watch, silent. They go and fill them up and roll them or carry them however they got them to the person. And they brought it before the Lord. Watch this. It says they filled them to the brim. Sadly, many Christian friends of mine, if they do obey, they do just enough to try to get by. Half-filled water pots, water pots close the heart of God. Are you listening to your pastor that loves you? That would have been plenty. That would have met the need 
But God was watching. How do you know? Because he made them record it in the scriptures that they filled it to the brim. He notices. If I'm going to bless this church, I got to bless them. I got to do it to the brim. You see? Obey him thoroughly, immediately, without question, unashamedly, publicly in front of others, privately. Obey him expectantly. What do you think they were expecting? When, uh, what do you think when they wheeled it over to them? Jesus is not wasting their time. And they wheeled the water pots over to him. No mention of no talisman, no holy water, no hat, no scepter, no incense bowl. They brought him the water. He said, all right, take the ladle and go take it to the head guy. Again, why? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Most people, when they serve wine at the wedding, they use their best. And when people have been satisfied, they bring out that which is cheaper. You, you brought the best wine out at the end. I can tell you, as we get ready to leave today, if Jesus tarries and we conclude this little unplanned series on the miraculous, is the best things in my life follow obedience. It just does. The best things in my life have followed my yeses. And the, the, the blessings stop at the last place you ignored God or told him no. I don't know what's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. Let me just peer into your water pot and see. Well, there's no water in there. What do you mean what's wrong? It's half full. What do you mean what's wrong? It's full, but you didn't bring it back to Jesus. What do you mean what's wrong? The thing you expect from your children, give it to God. And then don't tell him what to do and watch. The miracle, this beginning of miracles did Jesus. Isn't it wonderful that at the first place Jesus was to show his power and divinity, he chose the festive occasion of a wedding. This last week, I hope I don't embarrass him, but I had the pleasure and privilege of marrying uh, Mr. Jim and Byraline. Uh, Y'all waved newlywed couple right there in the middle. It was, it was the most beautiful, uh, packed, this small church, but it was packed and people were just laughing and joyful. And it was just a sense of God's spirit and peace. And I hope she don't mind me telling this, but I, I, I teased them. I don't even know if she heard me say this to the congregation. So they get ready to leave and I pronounced them husband and wife. And Jim presented her arm and Byraline took it. And they played zippity doo dah, zippity a. My, and Byraline skipped out of the church. And I said, well, I'll be 60 in August. I said I've seen it all, but now I've seen it all. And the church just joyfully laughed and celebrated. Now, I want to draw your attention to this, and we're done. Jesus is looking to pick a place. And he said, I'm going to unveil. He told his mother, it's not time for me yet. And then he said, it's time 
Some of you are discouraged in that the last time you pursued the Lord for something, he said it's not time yet. And in just a few moments, it's going to be time. So at a wedding, he showed that he can take the water of everyday stuff and turn it into the miraculous wine of heaven if you'll just do what he says. Things that precede the miracle, obedience. Stand with me this morning. Father, in this last hour, we need you like never before. We need to, 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 well, we know from your scripture, your nearness, but we're asking you to make us conscious of it. Remind us of the importance of being faithful stewards and disciples. Disciples, those that are disciplined. That we would be faithful in well-doing, knowing that in due season we're going to reap. And that the miraculous is available to us. We're not going to tell you when, how, or where. Give us the courage and character to fill the water pots up and roll them up to you. Let us stand back and see what God can do. Whether it's deliverance, like the Syrophoenician woman's daughter... Lord, if it's the feeding of the 5,000 where you take that which is not enough and you make it enough, or you just grace the common everyday occurrences of water and make it wine. I want to see your hand in my life, Lord. I want people to look, not being impressed at me, but say, watch that guy there. Miracles seem to follow him because God's with him. And for those of you in this congregation believing for a miracle, I remind you of the verse, and they shall call his name wonderful, which means miracle. The Lord is for you, and all that he is is available to you. Whatever he says to you, do it. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. As promised, 1131. God bless you.